Welcome to the Shelf Warmers Podcast, the show about toys, why we like them, our connections to the figures, and their relevance to bigger topics. I'm your co-host, Sugu, and tonight we're going to talk about the business side of publishing. I'm your co-host, Darby, and buy my book! (laughs) (laughs) Alright, well that's straightforward. begin by way of introduction i'm darby harn a freelance writer and editor and an independent author publishers weekly called my novel ever the hero an entertaining debut which uses superpowers as a metaphor to delve into class politics and an alternate america you can find more information about me and my books at darbyharn.com i'm also on twitter at darbyharn and i'm sugu your co-host i work in it and education and i'm also passionate about writing and story You can find some of my travel writings on allaboutjapan.com, where I've written various articles about my life and perspectives in Japan. Tonight, we're going to talk about business. (laughs) Now, for those those who are still here after hearing about that, what we're going to talk about is uh, basically the business side of publishing, the business side of a book. So you've got your book written. It's taken 10 to 14 years. You've written it. You've got it in draft. You've sent it to a publisher. They've said no. So you've still got the manuscript. You've got the cover design uh, based on our last episode or a previous episode. Now what? Now what? (laughs) Now what? Well, now what? Let me let me plug some stuff. A <laughs> um, couple things, folks. If you've been listening to us, you kind of got the drop on this. But uh, Stargun Messenger, May fifth, paperback ebook, uh, doing very well at the moment. I'm very uh, filled with a lot of uh, joy and pride and gratitude. Folks seem to be digging it so far. So I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Audiobook details to come, uh, but later in the summer. Um, I will be doing a virtual book tour uh, mid-May. I want to say beginning May 15th. I don't, I have more details to come. Um, we'll be plugging that, I'll, or at least I'll, I'll, I'll let people know because that'll be, I'll be, um, that'll involve other websites and blogs and booktubers and things like that. Um, more to come. Um, June 3rd and 4th, I will be at Des Moines Comic Con in the great state of Iowa in the States. Um, I will be selling my books. I will be in person. I will be signing and selling my books. If you're listening to us and if you're local, I know there's a few of you that are. Um, please come by and say hi. I'd love to see you. Um, if you just want to come up to the table and not buy anything and walk away awkwardly, that's cool too. <laughs> Cause it'll be, uh, it'll be my, it's not the first, uh, like in-person event I've ever done, but this is the first one I've done, uh, since all the, the circumstances as we call them over here, uh, or the COVID. Um, so the, uh, I'm very excited about it. I'm very nervous. 
uh, about it. Um, but this show is set up to be something really cool. There's going to be an extraordinary array of like really cool guests of different actors and writers and, and that type of thing from all over the spectrum. Um, we're going to have uh, a lot of different... Um, Tom Kenny voice actor he does a lot of the I'm not a, I'm not hip to all the stuff a lot of Nickelodeon stuff is someone a lot of the Power Rangers folks are going to be there I don't, I'm not hip to Power Rangers um your man whose name I'm blanking I apologize um who played uh the young Boba Fett in Attack of the Clones uh Daniel Logan is going to be there I actually know Daniel a little bit because I wrote an article <laughs> On Screen Rant last year or the year before that Daniel commented on, he messaged me on Twitter. Um, was it a nice comment at least? It was. Uh, he's a very nice guy. <laughs> he's a very nice guy. I hope I get a chance to actually meet him, at least say hi in person at the show. A lot of people, a lot of um, a lot of uh, writers and, and artists, comic book artists, and things. That's going to be a nice big sort of, you know, um, nice assortment of different kind of uh, people. So I'm excited about that. It's going to be a big show. It's two days. It's 3rd and 4th, uh, June 3rd and 4th, Saturday, Sunday, uh, the Iowa Event Center, Hy-Vee Hall, Des Moines, Iowa, downtown. And uh, I'm very excited, very nervous. And it's a lot of work. It's a lot of work. It's months of planning and logistical <laughs> everything to get... Uh, to get uh, set up in the show. And uh, the most important thing is to selling books at a show is having the books. So um, it's gonna, I'm going to have some hardware finally to sell uh, to people. And uh, I'm excited about that. And then there'll be some stuff later in the summer that we'll get to when we get to it. But that's kind of the big thing. So how many books are you bringing with you to sell? <laughs> um, a conservative number. Uh, I, uh, I'll say that um, I uh, I've paid a lot of attention to people who do do this and do mm. it well, and people who have have different varied experiences. Mm. Um, I have a baseline idea of what to expect in terms of sales. I have a baseline expectation of what to expect from me. As you folks know, I'm not a natural marketer or seller, um, but what I am kind of focusing on is I want to kind of share my enthusiasm and my passion for these stories and characters with people. And hopefully, hopefully that connects with them. Um, and so I have an expectation of what's possible, but I'm playing very conservative to that. Um, I'm optimistic that it goes well. I'm also not thinking I'm going to go there and sell everything. Uh, if I don't, I don't. That's okay. My goal really is to, one, do this. I've been wanting to do this for a long time. I need to do it because in as an independent author, frankly, um, what um, it's all on me. And what I have to do, if I want people to find these books, I have to do what? I have to find people. Mm -hmm. So the you may be asking, Darby, you're an author. Why are you going to a Comic-Con? As our, our listeners uh, well know, uh, my Eververse series focuses on superheroes. There's a ready-made audience at the Comic-Con for these types of books. There are a lot of authors who appear at local shows in Iowa and in the Midwest here 
Illinois, Wisconsin, um, Minnesota that are authors that appear at Comic-Cons. They do very well. Ben Wolf is one I'll mention. Guys, check him out if you want. Uh, BenWolf.com, uh, I believe. I'll put it in the description. Um, and so I saw them. I've seen them. I've gotten to know them and talk to them a little bit. And I, and so I knew that it was possible. I knew that I could do it. Um, I've been wanting to do it and, um, and now I'm finally going to do it and we'll see what happens. And, uh, I'm and if it goes well, hopefully maybe I'll continue to do it. Um, and, um, and kind of, I'd like just to, I would like to kind of just grow. I'd like to, I'd like to get the books in front of people because one thing I've learned, um, through this process, the last three years since Ever the Hero 2020 is that when the books get in front of people, they do really well. Um, and then when they don't, when they're not in front of people, they don't do anything. So, right. <laughs> so I got a question. Um, yeah, yeah. At this particular Comic-Con, are you promoting any one particular book or are you promoting you as an author? And so you're bringing like a wide variety of books or what's what's happening i will be bringing a variety the emphasis will be on stargun uh stargun is new she's may 5th um she's the focus this year um one of the things i've learned in my research and just conversations with people is that and i know this from my own experience in sales but this this holds true in the in-person part of it is that uh, people generally, the books you sell the most of and these things are number ones, which is the first in a series. So the emphasis okay. will be on Stargun and the emphasis will be on Ever the Hero. Right. Lesser emphasis on the other books in the Eververse series, but I will have them. You will be able to buy all of them from me if you want uh, at the show, signed. I'll be signing everything. Um, and uh, so if people want to do that to get the series, they definitely uh, can. But as far as just numbers, yeah, heavy emphasis on Stargun. Yeah. yeah. Are you? I got a couple questions, uh, follow up questions on that. Are you signing them in advance or signing them no. like when people buy? No, I will be personalizing. So if you want to come buy a book from me, guys, and I will be very happy to sign it for you. Okay. I'd love, I'd love to do that, man. And then the other follow up question is just like roughly, so both I and our audience have an idea. Uh, let's say, for example, in all the books that you're bringing, uh, would it be fair to say like maybe 50% of the books are Stargun Messenger, 25% are Ever the Hero, and then the other 25 are the rest of the books combined? Yeah, the, yeah, the, it's more, probably 40 40 star gun ever the hero okay um 40 and then the 40, other one and then 20 as yeah uh, kind of country of eternal light book two three and four well book two and three yeah yeah that that's kind of the, the idea um and i'm not going to, i'm not going to hit too hard on anything other than star gun and ever the hero because just I'm going to be very conservative this first show. And I know these two covers, it's frankly, when you're hand styling and some, every person that's walking by your booth is walking by it for the first time. They don't know who you are. They don't know what you are. They don't know what you're doing. It's very important, obviously, to have in any case when you're publishing books, it's very important to have a good cover. 
Uh, Ever the Hero and Stargun Messenger have really good covers, in my opinion. I don't have any doubt whatsoever about getting people to the table. So I got to work really hard, Sugu. When they get there, I got to be like, you like me. Buy my <laughs> So, Are you bringing in a cheerleader? Um, I was actually having a conversation yesterday with somebody um, who volunteered to be, in their words, a ringer. I don't know that it exactly works in this scenario. I'm not um, sure if rigor is the right word, but okay. <laughs> right? I'm sort of like, I know what you're saying, but um, no, I no, I, I won't. I, I, I have, I've had some ideas and, and someone suggested a fucking amazing idea to me that I won't be employing at this show because my this show is about learning the ropes and just, you know, Dipping my foot in the water. Uh, but future shows, I have some ideas in my back pocket and things that I think will be fun. Um, to more to come on that. Um, it would be... The, it involves sort of cheerleading and sort of uh, in really inventive ways of uh, sort of creating a little bit of buzz and attention and one of the thing I'll say, I don't want to talk too much about it because I want to have a conversation with you and I, I don't I don't want to ramble on. But um, one of the things that I've heard a couple times from people is that these uh, these books and characters are made for cosplaying. So yeah. we'll see. All right. I'm sure there are several professional actors in Des Moines that you could hire to, to uh, well, to cosplay. <laughs> I I have a I have a volunteer who's very <laughs> eager, but we'll say baby steps. Yeah, baby steps. So, to, so to be honest, like Comic Con is, is is very much an obvious uh, choice for you to to be mm. a part of, right? Like, the, there's no sense in asking why did you choose Comic Con. Like, that's obvious for you, Darby Harn. That's fine. Yeah. Um. But I do remember, like, when, when I was in university and, hell, when I was living in America and more plugged into this, in, into the, the world, a lot of authors had promoted their business by by doing readings. You remember the readings at Prairie Lights? We would have, oh, God, yeah. Authors would go to Prairie Lights and they'd set up a table and they would just, like, read a section from their book and then they'd sell it. I've bought several books that way. Um, we met uh, we met Michael Shaban at Prairie Lights. There you go. Yeah. So, are is that ever on your radar, or is that just not done anymore? It is. It COVID America? obviously, COVID obviously put a, a stop to that for the moment uh, until recently. But it is. I would love to do that. I actually a goal of mine in life, Sugu, is is to read at Prairie Lights. So that would be to me like amazing. That me that would mean so much to me because of how important it was. You and I like we went there all the time, and I I learned I benefited so much from having that exposure to the writers and the, and, the, and then the poets and the people. I met uh, Doug Powell at Prairie Lights, and I know Doug to this day. Like I was gonna Doug say, is one, one of my... the great. No, go ahead, go ahead. I know he's one of the great modern poets, Doug. So. Yeah, I was gonna say one of my favorite uh, moments ever at Prairie Lights was when uh, this 
guy, he came to do a reading of his poetry book. And um, it was it was so striking because like there was no introduction. He just kind of started and he said his poems, but he didn't like pick up the book at all. He just said them all straight from memory. He, like, he yeah, stood no. up and then just started. And I was so impressed with his, uh, not just the poetry itself, of course, but also his delivery of it and how he could just do it completely as a performance, right? Like completely from memory, everything he could just do and he started. And then at the end was when they did all the credits and the not introduction anymore, but like you've just listened to this person and he has these books. I'm like, okay. I'm a fan, and I I went and immediately <laughs> bought his bought his poetry book right then and there. And there was a yeah yeah go ahead go ahead. There was an Indian poet whose name I forget, who came to read. There at, at and he was an extraordinary poet. But the thing I remember most about what he said relative to our conversation. He's like, he said, someone asked him a question about some of the things we're talking about today. And he said, I'm never for sale, but I'm always on sale. <laughs> <laughs> and I've, I, I've okay. always remembered that. And uh, I think, I think it's, it makes sense. It makes sense. I have a couple of different ways to interpret that. So I'm wondering, <laughs> do we want to dissect that? Do we want to? Uh, pull that apart and and interpret that to get on the same page, or just leave. I it? I took it to mean some of the things I think we're talking about or thinking about, which is um, I am you are a big believer in artistic integrity. You're never for sale. You're always on sale because you're always selling books. You're always selling yourself the brand. It makes me nauseous sometimes. It makes me, I don't like it. Um, because I, I don't, I, I just don't like it. it, it I would, would have been very at home back in the day um, writing books and just being utterly anonymous and, you know, being sort of a, a, a bit of an enigma the way that some authors were outside of your obvious, you know, big personalities. Most authors were anonymous. Salinger, you know, maybe not. I'd love to be as talented as him, but, but or hell, that, even uh, Bill Watterson. Yes, yeah, Calvin and Hobbes, right? Um, the that to me is appealing. I would prefer not to do this, right? I would prefer not to do it. I've chosen though. I, I didn't choose it. I, I I am a writer. It chose me. The 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 pros and that the benefits of that are extraordinary. They're rewarding. They're fulfilling. They're all of these things. The con, it, to me, is that in order to make this work, you have to you have to sell the books. And I don't have the benefit or the luxury of being published by a New York house who does this shit for me, which frankly, they're not going to do for you these days anyway. Right. Because they make, unless, unless you're Brandon Sanderson, who's actually doing his own promotion anyway, um, 
they're not you have to do it yourself they expect you to do it that maybe goes into a different sort of avenue which is benefits pros cons of traditional indie but regardless of what you're doing in any creative space these days it's on the burden is on you to some extent and if you're like me and you have an allergy to selling yourself or the idea of yourself or your work like how do you take something that's this important to you and, and this sensitive and this this is 25 years of my life how do i how do i pit, how, come up to my booth and how do i pitch this buy it you like throw the you know throw the book at him buy it <laughs> um how do you do that it's very difficult i think i can do it i think i know how to do it i think it's doing what i'm doing right now which is that this i love this book do you love star wars right do you love saga the comic book do you like ghost in the shell you know um do you like guardians of the galaxy we got a guardians movie coming out um do you like those things you're probably gonna like star gun you know um let me tell you why see and um, that's to me that's really fascinating because like i if it was me in your shoes mm-hmm. the decision that i would make is the one that's going to end end up with me in abject poverty like <laughs> <laughs> well it may it Cause, may because I'd be like, hey, come check out my book. Oh, here's a free copy. Just go ahead, read it, enjoy it. Let me know what to think. And then I'd be done with it. Like, I have no sense of buy it now, <laughs> exchange money for it. Like, hey, here, here you go. Just go ahead, have it. It may end up with me. I Frankly, this is very expensive proposition. I, I don't, you know, uh, doing what I'm doing right now, especially with the show. This is very expensive to mm-hmm. to be at the show it's very expensive i have to buy these books which i'm then selling um right. this could go wrong in a lot of ways um so you have to we talked about somewhere on the pod the thing about writing about art in general which is probably mystifying to some people is that you're crippled by self-doubt it's it, self-doubt is like a constant companion but then you're also usually in my experience and this is true of me you also have this irrational confidence in yourself that you can do it. It's utterly mm-hmm. irrational. You have to have it, otherwise you wouldn't get through any of it. Because at any step of the way, you encounter defeat, failure, whatever you want to call it. At every step of the way. So the only thing that gets your, you over the hump is your just irrational self-confidence that I can get, I will get over, and then you do, and then you do, and then you do. And then now I'm at this point. So I'm three years into this project of self-publishing these books and I'm at a huge threshold for me personally. Um, this may fail. I will get over it and I will mm-hmm. keep going regardless of the outcome, even though I may have a couple days where I'm grumpy and you don't want to talk to me. I'll keep going. There We're is a financial stake. A podcast episode on those days. <laughs> yeah. There may be, there is a financial stake in this that the, yeah. the more the, it gets bigger and the more risk gets involved, the less, there could come a point where I am living in a box with my toys. Yeah, but, but there and is then also, at that point, mm-hmm. there is also freedom, right? Like with every setback, you learn what you can handle, and you learn how to kind of move past it. I'm already learning. I made a mistake, Sugu. I made a mistake in not having Stargun out in April. Um, April well, is indie April. Um, on Twitter, on Instagram, hashtag indie April. 
I chose May just because of my timelines involved with getting everything together. And I didn't think, because in the past, indie April was not huge for me. Uh-huh. In this this April, it's April 15th. Is this? Jesus, it is. <laughs> um, has been huge. I made a mistake not having Stargun out. Pre-orders, like I said, have been very good. have been very strong. I'm very grateful. Thank you. But I made a mistake. And so, so I've learned from that already. And next year, Eververse Book 4 will be out in April. <laughs> so. so like I thought that you had just chosen May as a kind of like an Easter egg kind of wink and nod to Star Wars. Hey, I mean, if that's you like part Star of it. Wars, you like Stargate <laughs> Messenger, and Star Wars came out first in May of 1977. Now, May of 2023, here's another one, right? Since I we're, since we're talking commemorative. That is honestly part of it. But let, since we're talking business, let's actually talk the reasons why. One is the timeline from when we've talked about this on the pod, where in our Trunk Novels episode, where I the date at which I I was all systems go for launch was Thanksgiving day Mm -hmm. last year. And I knew it was six months from then to get from there to out getting the art, getting everything. Okay. So that put me in May. I chose May 5th because it's the same weekend as free comic book day here in the States, which is generally the focus of a lot of buzz. Um, There was sort of a choose to put to put out your book on the same day as free comic book day when Be- that's where because i pig is. i piggyback off of these things on social media so whenever there's something going on like that i piggyback off of it and it just made sense as far as like things are happening right okay things are happening um it made the most sense it's i, I wasn't going to go to memorial day star wars day because that's a holiday which is a death trap for uh publishing so what day was it going to be? I knew it was going to be May. It could have been April, but I knew it was going to be May. And for, as far as my timeline, I picked that particular weekend. That is also the weekend that Guardians comes out, I think, um, which is, uh, like I said, a, a selling point on Stargun will be, do you like Guardians of the Galaxy? Do you like fun space opera? You'll probably like Stargun. Um, but I, I made a mistake. Uh and I'm learning from it. And so next year, a couple things in April. Indie April, book four will be out. April 28th this year may be slightly different next year, but end of April is National Superhero Day. You're like, whatever. I'm actually going to be part of, here's the thing I didn't mention at the beginning, I'm part of a huge superhero promotion on April 28th uh, this year, this April, coming April 28th. Uh, the Eververse books will be on sale. Um, so I've, I'm, I'm learning, right? I'm learning in the moment and I'll learn things to go back to your point. I'm, I'm going to learn from the show. I'm going to make some mistakes at the show. Um, I'm and, uh, mistakes. I'm just going to learn and I'm going to take that with me. Um, hopefully it's financially successful enough that I can keep doing this. My fear is, is that um, it won't be, and that will limit my ability to do this again, to do it in the future, or I'll just be so stung by it that I won't want to do it again. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I worry about that. Um, I, I have faith and confidence in the books. I, I believe in my books. Um, but um, I'm not a huge uh, fan of myself in terms of selling these things. Um, but I need to get, I need to do it. I need to get better at it if this is going to work long term. And the only way it works long term is uh, by swallowing the pill. Yeah. And, and, and doing it. And um, it, there is a financial aspect to it, which makes me, like I said, get, it, it, I'm allergic to, I don't like it, um, but it's the reality of it. And the only, frankly, yeah, the only necessary. way I can keep doing the, it's necessary. I cannot keep doing these. I can keep writing books. I will not be able, if the, these are financially unsuccessful, I will not be able to do them at scale, uh, at the scale I'm doing going forward. Right. Uh, that, and that will, that will, um, uh, like you said, that will put me in the poorhouse. So, so like I'm reminded, uh, kind of in my, in my wheelhouse, what I experience and deal with more on the regular side is, um, two of my areas of, ex of expertise, which is English education and, uh, tech support. Well, I, I yeah. stuff. So I have met a lot of people in around here and actually back in America who they'll work uh, at some place. And then uh, let's let's start with IT stuff first. So they'll work at some place and it comes across. It comes out basically that they're good with tech. And so then coworkers will come to them and say, hey, can you help me with my computer? Can you fix my computer? Can you build me a computer or some whatever? And uh, they turn around and start charging them. Makes sense, right? Like, it's my time and what whatnot. It's fine. Then we come to English education, where I see a lot of it here, where uh, Japanese people will ask for English help. And sometimes they they want genuine English help. Sometimes they just want an excuse to be social for an hour um, without mm. like the pressure of you must drink or, or whatever goes on with other social circles. So there's this pressure. Well, uh, that same attitude boils over into English education where people will come here and someone will ask for English help. And then they'll say, yeah, yeah, I can help you with your English. It, uh, I charge about $20 an hour or something like that. And yeah. then, um, you know, sometimes people will take up on it. Sometimes they won't. Um, and then the people, the, the teachers are like, how come I don't have any friends in Japan? It's like, well, my first thought is because you're treating them like customers. Yeah. And when you treat them like customers, they ain't your friends. So the reason I bring up both of those experiences yes. is that's how I would operate. Like, and not that's the opposite of how I would operate is I would, uh, and I have people ask me for computer help all the time over here. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure. I can help you with it. I can teach you. It's fine. Not a big deal. Um, people ask me for English help. I'm like, yeah, that's fine. You know, just, we can absolutely have a conversation in English 30 minutes or so. Uh, you know, I'm really busy, but I can take time out to help out. Guess what? Yeah. A lot of friends. Like I have people constantly asking for stuff, and and that sounds weird. Like they're asking for stuff, but like they're keeping in touch with me because I've established that 
it's not about the money between us. It's about, you know, we, we have a relationship. And one of the right. things that you and I talked about is life is relationships. Like that's yeah. just the way society works. That's the way life works. So if you want to be a writer and publish your books and then sell it to people, that's not on the relationship side. And so to me, that's just such a, a strange foreign thing that if I ever wanted to do this, I have to get over that hump as well. And I have no idea how to do that. Well, you do, because what you just said is, is really the way to do it. You're already doing it in your you're forging friendships and relationships with folks that you're tutoring. And one thing I've been thinking about a lot as I've been trying to mentally psych myself up for this is that the people I'm going to meet at this show are not going to be fans of mine because they don't know who I am. That's so true. they're not, they're not, they're not coming for me. So what are they leaving with? Hopefully they're leaving with a book. But really what I'm hoping myself is I, I want to meet people who want to come back mm -hmm. and how and I'm asking them a lot. I'm asking them to buy something that they haven't read and all they know about it is what I'm telling them and what they read on the back. But the one thing I know from being a fan my entire life and being at these shows and being part of these communities is that it is about relationships. I've been thinking a ton about Star Trek recently and how Picard season three is great and it feels like hanging out with your friends because it is. And I've been to shows and I've met some of these actors. And I always think of Jimmy Doohan, played uh, Scotty, who made personal relationships with fans. And it's very difficult from their perspective because they're famous. They're cultural figures. You have to ha maintain some boundary you have to maintain some privacy because you know that's an issue too but i think about that i'm looking to make connections i'm looking to make relationships i'm looking to 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 as mary spender says um build build those thousand fans is what she calls it but what what she means is i think is build that connection with that those people that are they're, they're there for you they're not they may be there for the book they may they may love kit baldwin um if they come back they're probably coming back for you right they want what's next from darby darby what are you up to this time darby i love darby i bought your book last time can i buy the other ones darby where are you going to be at next time would you you know i told my mom about your book um and it's it's about building that connection. I want to get to know them. I'm not I'm not just there to hand a book and, and collect their money and be like awesome, you know. Yeah. I we at the end of every one of these, we ask you guys to reach out to us if you have comments or feedbacks because we want to know. I want to know what do you have to say? What do you have to think? I I we want to build a connection to our audience. I want to build a connection to my readers. It means that I've gotten really great comments and feedbacks from readers in the past and and i love that and i appreciate that and I, online i've had people come in and they kind of hang around and i they they they're you know uh beverly is uh someone i think about when stargun went up and beverly was like i've already pre-ordered you know 
it's that means a lot to me. I want to build those relationships. I am going to lean on that myself more than buy my book because I'm more comfortable with that. Um, I know what that is. I have those relationships with people in fandom with, you know, whether it's other writers or actors or, or, or what have you. Um, so I know what that is. And, and, and there's no barrier there between me and a reader because I'm not famous and there's no like, there's none of that. So we, we're just on the same level. So hopefully you're going to, we're going to walk away and hopefully you come back. And so, um, I'd love if you, you know, if people come back and so that's kind of how I'm thinking of it and you're already doing it. So I, you would be just fine. Yeah. And I guess like, even when, as you were talking, I, I kind of realized like the opposite is also, uh, like, the opposite happens on on my end for example as soon as soon as you sent me the link to pre-order any of your books i've done it oh that's good i appreciate right? it <laughs> right like i i'm not waiting for you to to send me the free version of, with sign i'm i'm going well i got all these books that the next time i see you i'm bringing for you to sign but i'm buying them here like i'm fine with that and the other thing that I'm reminded of is this conversation I had a long time ago with uh, this one doofus that I knew. <laughs> okay. Uh, didn't really like him, didn't really respect him much uh, professionally. Um, but we were talking, uh, sharing the train, so, you know, kind of stuck in a conversation. But anyway, uh, so we were talking, and... I was just talking about the whole piracy element of it and not piracy element yeah. of it, but piracy in general and how, yeah. um, what's been happening statistically at the time is that people who pirate music are still buying CDs. They're just a lot more selective about which ones they buy. Um, yeah. And piracy this doofus group. wasn't, I'm sorry. I was just say real quick, piracy oddly creates markets. <laughs> yeah, like the reason piracy exists is because the market exists, right? Yeah. Like that's just that, you know, that's just there. We can talk about that with our toy collection. Like we've talked before about knockoffs and KOs in terms of that. Why are they there? Well, they're there because the market exists. But, but anyway, so I'm having this conversation with them about uh, piracy and – he said that he's absolutely against it, which is totally fine. You can take that moral stance. And I was just saying that statistically at the time that people who pirate are still buying CDs. In fact, they're buying more CDs than usual. Uh, that's actually gone up. They're just being a lot more selective about which ones they buy. And this actually and, goes. Oh, good. Uh, he turned to me and went, Oh Yeah. Well, if you pirate, if you're so for piracy, when was the last album that you bought? He said it to me all challengingly. And I'm like, okay, one, yeah. I did not say that I pirate or I didn't. I'm just saying that statistically, yeah. this is what's going on. And two, and I, it took me a second. I'm like, oh, wait. Last week, a friend of, a, a mutual friend of ours had set out, had released their album, and I immediately snatched it up. Why? Because I'm supporting 
my friends who are artists and that's the thought process from from my end right as the consumer right. side i know these people right. i have a relationship a relationship with them and therefore i want to support them so i do I, I i have friends who are writers and i've read their books often years in advance and i i buy the book the day it comes yeah. out yeah Get that, get that order in, get that, get that sales rank up. <laughs> um, I want to support my people. Um, exactly. I, it's, I would, you were saying earlier at, at some point about giving away free. What I found oddly is um, a big marketing tool in independent publishing is simply getting your name out there and a good way to do it is giving your books away for free yeah. and often that's reviewers things like that but um there is an advantage of of um of just getting it out there and you're creating um one thing just from my perspective um you can do you know books you on amazon you can you can make your books available for free for like a certain number of days and things and i've done that in the past um and i do if you sign up to my newsletter you'll get a, a free story which is exclusive to newsletter subscribers i should probably be uh i should probably be hitting that pretty hard on the podcast but i don't <laughs> um because i'm terrible at marketing um but one thing i'm going to do for stargun is when Stargun comes out beginning in May, uh, May or June, but soon, um, you're going to be able to get a, a free novella. Uh, Aster, it's it's a prequel to Stargun Messenger. Okay. Um, that will, is only for subscribers to the newsletter. It's mm -hmm. a great introduction. If you know, if you bought the book and then you're like, hey, what's next? You're going to be able to get it. If you're new to it and you want to know, it's a free. It's twelve thousand words, free. Um, but, but giving these things uh, away for free is a way of you know, um, the free comic book day I mentioned. The reason there's a free comic book day, they give away. You know, oh my God, they're giving away all these comic books for free. Yeah, and what do people do when they come in there? When they come into the comic book store, they buy books. And so, so that's been going on for twenty years now. Free comic. So book this day. leads me to a a, a a question that I have about. The free stuff. I am absolutely not objecting at all to that idea. In fact, I that's a mm -hmm. long held tactic. If you give people a trial, they're they're more likely to subscribe. Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah. Not at all objecting to it. But there is the concept or the question anyway of if people get something for free, do they understand the value of what they're of what they've gotten? Well, I don't know. I, I couldn't say, you know, like for, for what other people. Oh, yeah. Um, of course. But like, you, you know what I'm getting at, right? It's the, the idea of if people don't have to spend any money, then they kind of don't really treat it as valuable as something that they, on the other hand, did have to spend money for. What I have found just myself with the giveaways in the newsletter is, is that those people hang around and come back. Okay. Uh, a, a large number do anyway, uh, enough to where my, um, I think, I think 
part of the the pre-orders for Stargun um, being what they are at the moment is maybe people who um, have come in through the other books over time mm-hmm. and they're there now. And so they're there. It's a waiting audience, hopefully knock on wood, <laughs> waiting <laughs> audience. Um, I, that might be part of it. Uh, part of it is the cover is Al Hess. Uh, part of it is, uh, I hope it's just a really good book. I don't quite know. I, that's one thing I don't have is I don't have people tell me they love the books or they like the books. And, um, I don't ever really hear things like, you know, this is how, you know, those surveys you get, like, how did you hear about us? I don't have any of that. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's kind of a guessing game, but in my experience, yeah, what the, 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 the subscriber, exclusive stories the giveaway have been very i think beneficial so i've been doing that for the last year or so there's been a kid story i did that with blood back which is one of the eververse novellas early on blood back to this day is a big magnet um for readers um um there's a kid short story which only bloodback is available for everybody but right now there's a kid short story you can only you've read that one sugu that's uh, it's called origin um okay okay the that's only subscribers can get will be available in print somewhere later down the road um and then uh starting here very soon uh stargun messenger prequel same thing exclusive for subscribers someday print later down the road um and then later as we get close to book four eververse i'll change it up again and we'll do something else but um it it works yeah and then one thing i'll be doing at the show is if you buy one of my books i'm going to hand you a uh, what's called a rack card which is kind of like a bookmark and on the back it's going to have a qr code and you're going to be able to go directly to the website and sign up for the newsletter and get that story so um you know hopefully people do that and hopefully they sign up and they get updates and they want to hang around and they want to have a conversation. They want to be part of the experience. That'd be cool. Mm. Yeah. I mean, like for, for me, I just am fascinated by all this because it's like this blend of tech uh, or no, not blend tech is the vehicle for all of this to be happening on a democratic scale, which I find extremely fascinating. We've talked about this several times before. Um, Mm -hmm. Twitter is a cesspool now and it apparently is increasingly becoming a cesspool but it's it's still used in in this way of like giving everybody a voice even though it's slowly declining and artists, journalists independent journalists um, are or were I guess uh, using it for those reasons, and it was just fascinating to kind of watch from the outside, from uh, from the outside looking in. Um, yeah, yeah. it's just it's it's amazing what people are able to do and and how they're able to leverage so much uh, of within tech to get all this stuff. Um, and it, it's the just other so. Th- Mm-hmm. Oh, go but, ahead. Go ahead. Now, as I say, it's just so different from when you, you and I are in college where if we even had, and this was never in my mind because I was going to sell a book to a publisher and I was going to be an author. Um, if I had thought about this back then, the cost back then 
of publishing books, you know, would have been prohibited. Print, it would, it was impossible. I had no money anyway. So it was like, it, you know, it was never going to happen. So, um, the technology has allowed me to do this. Yeah. I mean, it really, in my mind, it really comes to a head with, um, people selling their tapes outside of like in the back from the back of their van, right? Like back in our day, back in our day when we were younger, (laughs) uh, that was, that was the trope, right? Like bands would, they would get together, they would form up, you know, they would take out flyers and post them on bulletin boards around campuses or wherever. And then they'd, be in the garage rehearsing and then they eventually they'd record a tape and then they'd record that a thousand times or however many go to a concert and sell it from the back of their van until a major publisher would pick them up now create an account on soundcloud create an account on Bandcamp, and you're already on your way and that's the in music some way, side of it. In some ways, it's still the same principle. Write a book, publish it yourself. It does Hugh Howie. It does well. It attracts the attention of New York. They pick you up. Then a couple years down the road, Apple options your books, and now you've got a show on Apple TV. <laughs> um and um, and then if you're Hugh Howie, you give back by creating uh, the self-published uh, science self-publishing science fiction contest, um, which uh, Ever the Hero is a quarter finalist. Um, Yay! <laughs> a lot of great books, a lot of great writers. So kudos to everybody, and thank you to Hugh Howie and Duncan Swain for providing this opportunity. Which that that contest has been huge for me. You you know this, Sugu. Yeah. It's the awareness it brings, the spotlight and attention it brings. That's part of this journey is as bad as the last three years have been with everything in the world and as difficult as it's been for myself, for other people traditionally and independently published. I've been very lucky to get to this point, to to get to this point. I'm nobody in the world. I've done nothing. I've accomplished nothing, but I've got here. That's huge. The average lifespan of an author in traditional publishing is three years, Sue. Jeez, that's all. And th- that's about the average length of a book contract, right? All so, right. so if you come out as unfortunately, most people do. Your book comes out, and what? It just it doesn't happen, and and the publisher loses faith in you, or they drop you, and then. And then now, now the hurt. Now you're back to where you're back to square one. Mm-hmm. Now life, now life. You know things happen. We we've seen it. We've lived it. I've got to this point. I'm gonna pat myself on the back. I'm gonna be proud of what I've done. I'm gonna um, as best I can. One of the reasons we're doing this podcast, we're talking about this. Some of you guys out there may be listening to this and be like, I'm kind of tired of Darby talking about his books. That's okay. But if you're out there listening and you you have these aspirations yourself in writing or whatever, and you're curious, part of the reason I'm happy to talk about this is because I want to share as much of my experience and insight and perspective as I can. 
because I'm the beneficiary of a lot of people's insight and perspective. And I pay a lot of attention to what people, and I'm always learning. And I make mistakes, but I'm always learning. I want to I want to give back as much as I can. At when after the show after Des Moines the Comic Con, we'll do an autopsy on that. We'll talk about maybe again my experience in doing it. What you know, what's next, and things like that. And we'll keep talking about it at at these waypoints. I think, and I can as best I can give my insight. And, and if you're out there listening and you have any ambition whatsoever to, to write or publish or in, in the arts, or if you're thinking, if you're a musician and you're like, well, how do I do it? Um, hopefully some of this is helpful to you. If it's not, that's cool. Uh, send us an email. Leave us a comment. <laughs> like, you guys suck. Um, but if you, if you, I hopefully you appreciate it, um, you know, because it's, um, Um, the most important thing in all of this is um, you're an independent author. You're an independent artist, but it's about community because you don't do it alone. As much as you feel alone and as much you are in front of a computer, you are writing a book alone for years. You're not alone. You're part of a community and you're part of a um, an industry which um, succeeds through um community and transparency well let's let's talk about that a little bit because there is one thing that i kind of want to promote for for you know because i i think it it goes very much into what you're talking about in terms of community and giving back this idea of the the whole rising tide lives all all boats type stuff yeah um have you ever heard of someone named steve hofstetter steve hofstetter Sounds familiar, but he's a comedian, uh, a stand-up comedian, and I believe I could be I could be mistaken on this. I believe that he got his main YouTube famous bit yeah. from the way he handles hecklers in his shows. Okay. Uh, from what I remember, and and you know this is many many years ago now, but. He was originally a teacher. I want to say a social studies teacher. And he left that. But that gave him the um, the skill set to handle hecklers without, like, losing his cool or without, like, getting offended or anything like that. Because, you know, when you're dealing with teenagers, mm. yeah. <laughs> so that's where... I kind of found him and discovered him. And apparently that's what made him famous. Like a lot of people know him as the guy who handles hecklers. Well, anyway, what happened with him is obviously during COVID, you can't have a stand-up comedy act. You that's can't right. go anywhere. That's right. So he did uh, one. He turned his stand-up comedy act into a club uh, of his uh, of his own. He called it Club Nowhere, and yeah. it was on Zoom. So people would literally join a Zoom call, and he would give his stand-up uh, routine, like over Zoom during COVID. That's awesome. And he, you know, little by little, set up a stage at his house, I think, or somewhere like that, where he had access to. So he could just do that. And then from there, it kind of snowballed into 
instead of just a stand-up routine of him to the Zoom participants, it was all of the Zoom participants together, like interacting with each other and roasting each other or uh, like all sorts of uh, collaboration in, in, in and of itself. Yeah. Which <laughs> made the Club Nowhere thing even more fascinating, right? Because now it's a bunch of comedians all getting together and no one feels like the audience anymore. Now you feel like you're part of this comedy troupe, even if you've never been done anything like that, right? So yeah. then the next step that he did was he actually started, I, I want to say the name is Club Nowhere, but I, I'm not sure anymore. Um, but he actually started a physical building that is designed to help the community of comedians. So it's like all sorts of comedian training grounds. Like there are okay. books by famous comedians. There's research on com comedy and how it works where they have like these open mic nights with each other. So it's not like this super intimidating open mic night where you go to a club and people are heckling you, but you're in this supportive community where you can go and practice your craft together. And it's all about him giving back to the community yeah. of comedians and developing the craft all together in this rising tide lifts all boats. And I'm just fascinated that's, by it. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. I mean, that's the biggest thing. It's like, you know, I, I would love to be able to do something like that. I don't know how that quite work in the, um, in the, in writing, the writing publishing without space. stepping on university of Iowa's toes. <laughs> well, I mean, even something like I've been, um, I had very good teachers. And one thing I've always thought about was teaching, not really as a career, but like, I did a lot of instruction uh, at my job. I worked for a, a corporation. That was my favorite part of that job mm -hmm. was the training and instruction, uh, the training and development. I would like to do something like that as far as the writing goes. I don't, I'm not an authority on any of this, but it wouldn't be for that. Like this is how you write a sentence or this is how you write a bestseller. But sharing my perspectives and insights and things like that in a way to give back in some way. And, and I think about all the time, I think about ways that I can do that. Is that, is that this podcast? Is that, is it like a Patreon? Do I want to charge people for something I want to give away for free? Is it, um, what is it? And so I, I'm always thinking about, I'm all, you know, but what I really want to do more than anything is, I want to be a, a value to people the way that um, so many people in my life have been of value to me. Yeah. I wouldn't be here without them because I had nothing. I'm not, I'm not particularly talented. I had nothing. I was told to my face when I was a young man that nothing would ever come of me. Um, so I want to give for folks out there sitting out there, boys, girls, and in between, that are sitting out there and they're thinking, I don't know how to do this, or I don't know if I'm good enough for this. I, I would like to be there for them the way that people were there for me. 
Yeah. And it's not really about being famous for me. I don't want to be famous, frankly. I'll be I've said this somewhere on the pod before. The idea gives me the <laughs> gives me the hives. I don't want to be famous. I the money's awesome. I'll take the money, but I know I'm not gonna be famous or like that type of a thing. I'm never gonna be a Stephen King or a Brandon Sanderson. And I don't wanna be, so that's okay. But what I what I wanna do is I, I wanna be able to keep doing it. I would love to see movies and TV and all that stuff. But really what I want to do is I, I want to keep contributing to this thing that um, we're part of and I'm part of, and I'm very, very lucky and fortunate to be part of um, and, um, and, and, and protect it from people, uh, bad actors who are out to destroy it right now here in the States. And so it's very important to me I said this, I think, on the last pod. Just, I'll just be completely transparent because that's what today is about. It's important to me that people understand that this book will be banned in the state of Iowa, public libraries, school libraries. Really? They, 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 they know why. Because this is about an LGBTQ character. Okay? It's important to me that um, those people who are going to be um, affected by these... Um, by this fascism that 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 is run amok in our society at the moment, um, that that I'm standing up against it every way I can, and part of it is writing this book and and putting these stories out in the world, but it, but it's also giving back to my community and supporting and shouldering my community. So that's very important to me. Mm-hmm. I'll leave that aside for today because we're not talking about that exactly today. But um, but yeah, um, so. You know, the I, I think giving back is a huge part of it. You have to make peace with the fact that this it's 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 a capitalist society. Uh, it you it's about selling the work. It's about selling yourself. You feel icky. You don't feel good. You feel a lot of discomfort and agitation. Um, you just don't want to do it. But. Um, um, in order to do the things that I want to do, which is just keep doing it, really, uh, to be able to continue to do this, um, I have to do it. I have to learn how to do it, and, or at least get good enough at it that I, I can I can do it. Mm-hmm. Um, because I've transitioned from where I published Ever the Hero, really, and just that was my only goal. And that was my success, mm-hmm. was publishing that book. Sure. And I've transitioned from that to... Um, Kit's next goal, Ever the Hero's next goal, is to get on your screen somewhere. So I did the first thing. I will do the second. And between here and there, um, we're going to we'll have to make peace with some of the things you don't like. But, um, but I got to this point. We'll get to the next one. And along the way, we'll, I'll share as much as I can about it. And... Um, hopefully if you're out there listening or if you come to the show and you're a writer, I love meeting young writers. Uh, I love people who are curious and they're ambitious and they want to know things. And if you have any questions, even if you look at my book and you're like, this, this guy cannot teach me anything, that may be the case, but I'd love to see you anyway. So that'll do it for today, folks. Thanks again for joining us. Once again, I'm Darby Harn, and you can find more information about me and my books at my website, darbyharn.com. I'm also on Twitter at Darby Harn. Sugu, how can they find out more about us in the podcast? 
You can follow us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can reach us at our email address, shelfwarmers at gmail.com. Send us feedback about the show, your thoughts, opinions, recommendations, and insights on our perspectives. We're always happy to hear from you, our audience, and we'd love to share your opinions on our next show. Again, that's shelfwarmers at gmail.com. And if email isn't your thing, we're also on Twitter. You can reach us at shelfwarmers. Give us a holler. We have new episodes every Friday. As always, remember to stay safe, wash your hands, practice social distancing, and get vaccinated when you can. Stick around to listen to a free clip of more content from us. Subscribe today and you can hear the rest of the following and more. Bye-bye.